Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I wanted to say Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you, moms. As Juan mentioned, we wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> and uh, so at this time, I'd like to release the warrior youth. You guys are welcome to go back. You thought I was going to forget, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your confidence in me too, Yaman. <laughs> hey, we're so glad to have you here this morning. Thank you for choosing to be with us today. And, uh, you know, we're, we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, we've been going drilling down into these foundations classes and I, I'm still kind of talking about them a little bit on Sunday mornings as well but if you can join us on Wednesdays at 7 I think you'd really be blessed I know that you'd be blessed by it and uh, we're, we're drilling down into these basic foundational teachings that the writer of Hebrews says must we go over these basic things again and again and so it's really helping us to have a, a better understanding. And, and as I've mentioned before, I think these things that the writer in Hebrews considers basic and fundamental in the Christian culture today are not that basic and fundamental. But we need to get these things. So I hope you'll join us. Uh, two weeks ago, I taught on love. And last week, uh, Pastor Christine taught on worship. And today, I'm going to be preaching on teaching on prayer. If you missed any of these uh, messages, I encourage you to go back online can watch them on Facebook, YouTube, our uh, archive videos, um, but uh, stay connected. This is going to be probably a an atypical Mother's Day message. I'm, I'm not sure what a typical message for Mother's Day is, but this is something that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring today. So this may be a little different than what you were expecting. I'm not sure what you were expecting, but this may be a little bit different for a Mother's Day message. But moms, you're vital to raising your children. You have a, such a vital role, and we're so appreciative of that. And uh, uh, I, I think that of all the messages that I could give, though, I think this is probably uh, just an excellent message for all of us, but for moms especially. And uh, I want to begin in First Thessalonians. I, I, I want to get to 517, but I want to back up a little bit because these are really fundamental teachings that we all need to get and will help us. 1 Thessalonians 5:12 through 22. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. So whenever you come here, you can rest assured that we're going to love you. We're going to speak honestly. We're going to speak the word of God into your life. And uh, we're going to do everything that we can to help you. We are committed to teaching the fullness of the Bible. And sometimes that's not very popular uh, or not very uh, done in, in, in all churches. But we're, gonna, we're committed to teaching you the fullness of the Bible. And our goal is that, that you grow in this relationship with Jesus. That you have this personal, intimate relationship with Him. And then that God works through your life to impact the world around us. So I can tell you this, that Pastor Christine and I are giving all that we have to, uh, to serve the Lord and to serve you. And it's a, it's a great privilege and honor. And uh, I just I want you to know that. And you are a wonderful congregation. And uh, we love you so very much. And, and we're so appreciative of you. 
we're honored to have been given this privilege and uh, responsibility. Uh, verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And uh, I, I, I just wanted to thank you guys for your great love for us, your support and your respect and the tre- tremendous amount of love that you pour out on us because we love you and we feel the love coming back. And, and as I talked about recently, love is the key. And I think that, that if, if I could uh, maybe say that, that there's one characteristic that is evident or prevalent in this church, it's love. And I think of everything that God could bless us with, that's, that's the most important thing. So this love is the critical connecting piece to this relationship. And I want to thank you for all your love, for your heart to uh, love and, and help. There are so many volunteers. You see people coming in late. That's because they're picking up stuff outside and cleaning up. And there, there are so many people. There are so many aspects of a service, even in a smaller church like this, that to make it happen. And you guys make it happen. And we really do a- appreciate that. We, we love you and we appreciate your love. And we want to continue to reach out and love. Uh, we, we had a guest couple here that we've known for a number of years, a, a, a long time, and, and they were visiting with us a couple of weeks ago, and Steve was saying that he, I said, well, give me some feedback on your, your experience here, and he said, I was really, really impressed with the love that was shown to us as, as guests, and that, you know, it wasn't just, hey, brother, how you doing? Okay, well, we're going over here now, but he said it felt, and it was, it was genuine, it was authentic. It was real. And that's what I'm talking about. When we talk about love, we're talking about the kind of love that God has for us that is life-changing, that's life-impacting. And we get to be dispensers of that love. And you guys do such a fantastic job of that. I, I can't tell you the number of uh, comments and cards that I get back and people talk about the warmth and the friendliness and the authenticity of the people here. And that's you guys. What what a great example of the love of Christ you guys show. And I'm about to cry right now, so I think I'm going to move on. But Steve was telling me that he just felt so loved here. And he said, I said, well, did it, you know, was it overwhelming? You know, and he said, no, no, no. It wasn't like people are desperate or anything like that. It was genuine and authentic. And then he said something and he, else he said, but you know what was really really caught my attention was not only was there love shown to me and my wife for being here, but I noticed the love that was shared between the congregation, that it was really, there's this, there's this family connection and, and environment of love that was demonstrated. And he said, I could see that. And that really impacted me because this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. We're actually supposed to love one another. It helps when we like one another, right? Have you ever liked, uh, loved someone, but you didn't really like them? You know, okay, well, I won't go there. But, you know, we're, we're called to love one another. And as we have these relationships, God uses one another to help us grow and challenge us. But those are the real relationships, the ones that we can, that are not superficial, but the ones where we can speak honestly in love and grace to one another. And I appreciate, I appreciate that so much about you guys. And peace and unity within the, the family is vital. 
And uh, I just love what God is doing here. I love what he's doing in my life and, and, and your lives as well. So let me read on here in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 continues. And live peaceably with each other. And so when we love one another, we're going to be living peaceably with one another because we're going to have each other's back. We're going to have genuine concern for one another, authentic love. And uh, real relationships, this real love relationship that God has called us to is where we do have those relationships. And we are looking out for one another. If, if I, I saw on, on the news where a, a kid was getting off the bus the other day and the bus driver grabbed him and pulled him back because there was a car zooming by on the inside lane. That's the kind of love that we should have for one another. Whoa, brother, wait, wait, wait. You're about to step into something. And do we have that kind of love for one another? I think I'm supposed to be, I think I'm preaching on prayer today. But I, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm preaching on love. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look at John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world, what? That you are my disciples. So if we, wanna, if we, if we say we're a Christian, and we say that we're a follower of Christ and a disciple of Christ, if we want to prove it, this is how we do it. Love is the key. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So let's continue to prove, not by just what we say, but how we live, that we are true disciples of Christ. Amen. Uh, let's, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. And I did a little research on this word lazy, and it means out of order, out of place, disorderly, slacking in performance or duty. So if we love one another... Uh, if we see somebody that's out of order or that's slacking, then we, we can speak love into their life. We can say, hey, let me help you, brother. Better yet, let me example what we should be living out here. Um, let's read on in uh, 1, Corinthians 5, or 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Encourage those who are timid. We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power and love and a sound mind, or self-discipline, as, as some translations say. So God has not called us to be timid, not arrogant and rude, but we're not to be timid. We're to walk in the confidence. And so this, this word timid can be translated as faint-hearted, of little courage, lacking in healthy identity. Wait a minute, do we know who we are in Christ? Are we walking in that confidence of knowing who we are, who He is, I'm a child of God. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live those lifestyles and do those things that I used to do because I've been set free from those things. Am I walking in the victory and the fullness of life that Christ came to give me? Having this relationship with Christ and understanding our position, our position in Him, is important to living the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Our identity should be found in who we are in Christ. Not in our social status, not in our wealth, not in our career, our spirit, even our spiritual giftings. That's not who we should find our, our value in, but in Christ and, and the giftings and the things that, that we have in our life, the provision, the blessings that we have, they all come from Him. 
First, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. For we are strong and powerful in the strength of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you are powerful in the Lord. Tell them again. Come on. Tell them with some power. You are powerful in the Lord. Can, can, can we get this? Can we understand that the power of Christ, the same mighty power of Christ that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And so God has not called us to be wimpy Christians. He hasn't called us to be arrogant and prideful or mean. But he has called us to walk in power and understand who we are in Christ. Our confidence is not in ourselves or our abilities, but in the empowerment that is through this relationship with Christ as he empowers us. Have you ever been... No, let me change this. I know we have all felt insecure. We have all felt inadequate. We've all felt insufficient, which comes from a human perspective. When we begin to focus on ourselves, we can see, oh man, I'm, I'm insecure, insufficient insufficient or inadequate and in our own strength that is true but with Christ I am secure I am adequate I am sufficient I am confident I can walk in the fullness of life that Christ called me to live in in all that I do in all that he's called me to do and all that he's called me to be I can walk in that confidence because of him because he's transformed my life. He's transforming my life. And, and I get rid of this I problem that I have. I, 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 I. And it becomes more about him. And him working through our lives. I want to have a Ta moment with you. And if you're new here or you're watching online and you're not familiar with Ta, Ta stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. And this is where I share something that doesn't necessarily put me in a favorable light. But it's just a, real, uh, a reality of life that we all go through. And, and I have to tell you on, uh, I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to tell you on Tuesday, I had a really rough day. And a lot of it surrounded my mom. Uh, many of you know that we're caretakers for my mom. And uh, I got a, she got a bill from UTMB Hospital, and it was, it was messed up. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I got this on Monday, so on Tuesday I'm trying to take care of it. And I'm thinking, can't these guys get it right? You know, I have to make a bunch of phone calls. And, and then the nurse shows up to do her physical therapy. And, and uh, we had talked about this. Okay, Chris, you know, you're going to come at this certain time. And, and, and the nurse can't get that right. And, and then there's, uh, she's going to see a pain doctor. And the pain doctor, you know, there's all kinds of issues there. And I'm like... Can't normalcy just not be an anomaly? I mean, can't I just have, can't she just have a normal doctor's appointment? Can't, she, can't the billing department at UTMB get the bill right? You know, can't the, can't the nurse come at the right time and on the right day? And, and I have to say that uh, I think I was kind of having a pity party, you know, a little bit. <laughs> Woe is me. And, uh, uh, but I was just, Thinking about all this stuff, all this uh, incredible excessive incompetence and poor scheduling and poor communication and, and uh, yeah, poor me, yeah. 
And I was thinking, why can't things just be normal? And, you know, in, in retrospect, it really wasn't all that bad. I just had to deal with some stuff. And uh, I know a number of you women have gone to the women's conference, which is coming up in, in a few months. And uh, you know Becky Fender, right? And, and what's her fra- favorite phrase that I love? Suck it up, buttercup. Well, on Tuesday, if somebody would have said, suck it up, buttercup, I would have said, show me the buttercup. I'm going to stomp on that thing. I'm not sucking nothing up. I'm going to stomp on this buttercup. So I text my wife, and I said, honey, I'm having a really bad day. Pray for me. And then I put, I'm stressed. Stress was all caps with exclamation points. And, uh, and so she, she was trying to encourage me, and, and she sent me this text. And, and I really believe that this text is from the Lord. You know, God can use us, right? He can speak through a text. He can speak through a phone call. He, he can speak to us. God uses people. And he should be using all of us, right? Because we should be yielding and saying, God, what can I do today to serve you? Who can I encourage? Who can I build up? So anyway, I, I'm going to read you this text. But I think, I think this text is for, for me. And I think it's probably for somebody else today. Okay? So this is what she said. You have been placed at the head by the Lord. Now, let me stop here. And so if you're a man in, in the home, you're the head of the home. And God has placed you there as a woman, as a mom. You have your rightful role in the home. God has placed you there. You have a responsibility in your job. You may be a a manager or you may be a supervisor or you may be a partner or whatever that looks like, male or female. God has placed you in a position of influence and he's given you authority. Okay, so this this is what she was telling me here. Uh, The Lord was telling me via my wife. You have been placed at the head by the Lord. You are the lead. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. I'm the lead. I I need to get back into alignment with what God says about me that that I need to take the lead here. I need to quit being so insecure and, and, and adequate and letting my emotions get the best of me. You are the lead. You do not need to prove yourself or demand authority. It is given by God. Now walk in that confidence and authority. You are not a child. You are a son. Okay, I know we, we sing about today, I'm a child of God. But, but the Bible calls us sons. So women and men, you, we are our sons. And uh, women, if, if you have a problem with being called a son, well, us men are called the bride of Christ. So, you know, get over it, all right? So, so we're, we're all sons and daughters of God. Wait a minute. I need, to, I need to come back to this place of realizing who I am in Christ. And these little, these little things that I have to navigate through, they shouldn't ruin my day. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> come on, man. Walk in the power, the authority, the dominion that God has allocated to us, to me. And then she said, you are not a child, you are a son, first of God, and then of your mom. So we are a son. But first, to God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So, I I don't know, I just felt like I definitely needed to be reminded of that, and maybe you needed to be reminded of that a little bit too. But we all need to yield to the Lord. We need to allow Him to lead us and guide us. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about how God leads us and guides us 
But we still have to do some stuff. We are the hands and feet of Christ. And so God has given us this position and authority and calling to build the kingdom of God, to have this relationship with him and one another, but also to go out and make disciples. And so God is working through our life, and he is using us to build the kingdom of God. What a great privilege and opportunity that we have. Now, we can choose to slough that off or or minimize that or whatever, or we can go in full force and say, God, I'm yielding my heart and life to you because I have this intimate relationship with you and the things that you're passionate about, people, or the things that I should be passionate about, people, you and others. And so we need to yield to him. We need the love, the support, and encouragement of God and godly perspective from the Lord and from each other because God will speak to us through other people, people that are following the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know what that's like, where God has placed something burning in your heart and you know that I've got to call Joe, I've got to call Bob, I've got to call Susie, I've got to call somebody because I know God has placed something on my heart. And it could be life-changing for them. And it could be faith-building for us as we yield to him and allow him to guide us and lead us. He can, he can work through us if, if we are willing to be vessels that he can pour through. And if we're willing and available. And that's one of the reasons the local church is so vitally important is because we need each other. Because God is working in your life and working through your life for me And God is working in my life and working through my life for you. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Take tender care of those who are weak. And this word weak can mean physically, it can mean morally, it could be without adequate strength. Take tender care of those who are weak because we all have weak moments when we're going through something and we need some support and we need some help. And, and if you're not here that Sunday morning and I really need some help or Crystal really needs some support, you know, God can use anything and anybody, but maybe he wants to use you to pour into that life. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 continues, be patient with everyone. <laughs> Okay, well, let's, let's skip over that one. Okay, now, um, be patient with everyone. You know, sometimes people that are really gifted can become impatient with others that don't have that same gifting. And if your gift is patience, well, <laughs> I need some of that maybe. But, you know, we can, get, we can get prideful and arrogant when we have a gifting and we think, well, everybody should have that. Why can't they just, you know? Well, wait a minute, maybe we have a special gifting for that that somebody else doesn't have. So we need to be patient with everyone. And, and I want to go back to the last sentence in 5.13 and live peaceably with each other. Do we, do we see the connection here? That God wants us to live peaceably with, with one another and to be patient with everyone? Verse 15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always, say always, Try to do good to each other and to all people. Try to do good to each other and all people. Always be joyful. And then here's really my core scripture for today, 1 
Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. Some versions say pray without ceasing. What it means is pray a lot. <laughs> pray. Pray a lot. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in some cir circumstances. No, in all circumstances because this is where the trust comes in. Listen, man, on Tuesday I wasn't having a good day and I really didn't feel like trusting the Lord for those circumstances. But as I began to reshift my focus onto him and all of my circumstances and mainly off of me, then I had a different perspective. So can we thank God and praise him in the storm? Can we give him praise and thanks? Because not because we're going through something necessarily, but because we trust him and say, God, I, I don't know why this boss is so difficult and why I, I feel under the pressure and I feel like this boss is picking on me, but I'm going to trust you. And maybe you find out later that God was preparing you for something better and bigger. And this was just a little test to get you off yourself, get your mind off yourself, and get focused on him. Or maybe you needed some correction. I've, I found that to be in my life when I was kind of arrogant and puffed up and, and God needed to bring me down a couple of notches. Because uh, if, we, if we don't humble ourselves, if we're prideful, God can humble us. So be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. When we're going through something, take your eyes off yourself and the circumstances and focus on the Lord and His purpose and His plan. Because how many times do we just focus on our purpose and plan and, and don't stop and say, well, God, what do you want in this? Well, God, I, this is what I want. And God may be saying, hey, there's something better. Verse 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And stifle means extinguish, quench, suppress, or thwart. Um, verse 20, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Prophecy can be a confirmation of what the Lord has already been saying and speaking to you. It can also be fresh revelation that the Lord is giving to you. And a prophecy will not conflict with the Bible or God's principles and character. Uh, prophecy can be a current word or it can be a word for the future. And uh, so we need to compare God's word with the scripture um, verse 21 continues, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. God has not called us to a place of comfort and complacency, but to the life of commitment and obedience. So God is not always concerned about our comfort as much as he's concerned about building our character because our character is what's going to stand at the end of the day. So these are some great foundational uh, instructions for all of us. And uh, this requires receiving direction from the Lord. And uh, so now I can start my sermon. Okay, so this morning I'm going to focus on prayer. And let's go back to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. Moms, you have great influence. You have tremendous influence. And a praying wife is powerful. And can be life-changing for your marriage, for your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your neighbors, your community. I think Stormy L. Martian wrote a book, The Praying Wife. Is that what it's called? 
And, and so you have the opportunity, the privilege, and, and really the responsibility, all of us do, to pray. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. And moms, you have such a great opportunity with the influence that you have. So this morning I want to talk about prayer. And uh, I'm going to use the letters from pray as my points. My first point is P for pray is petition God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You notice it doesn't say worry about everything, and then when you can't figure it out, then pray. <laughs> okay, how many, else, how many other people do that? Can we be honest today? Can we have a ta moment? Do we ever do that? Do we ever worry? Worry is, is really not faith in God. It's really trying to take control of the situation and figure out and navigate through that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Prayer can replace worry. Verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, well, let me re read the whole scripture. Here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. See, that's where I needed to be on Tuesday. I needed to thank, be thanking God for all that he'd done instead of looking at these little foxfires that were getting me all emotional and all bent out of shape. The first word in, in Philippians 4, 7 says, then. Okay, let's stop here. Then. Okay, then what? To get to then, we need to, we're talking about petitioning God. We need to not worry. We need to pray about everything. We need to tell God what we need, and we need to give thanks for everything that he's done. And the results are Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And I know that many of us have experienced that uh, at the death of a loved one or a family member where, th where there's just pain, but yet the peace of God can be there. Or maybe even in a situation on your job or in your neighborhood or in relationships where there's peace. And so as we begin to not worry but pray about everything, tell God what we need and thank him, then we can begin to experience that peace. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So the word tells us how to, how to petition him, right? Let's look at uh, this next slide. Petition God how, don't worry, pray about everything, tell God what you need, give him thanks for all he's done. And the results are supernatural peace that comes from him, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As we, you notice it says as we live in Christ Jesus. We don't just receive the supernatural peace and, okay, God, I got this now. But as we stay connected to him, as we live in him, we can... Uh, walk in the supernatural peace. So there are multiple benefits to this relationship with Christ. There really are. Supernatural peace is not obtainable by our own efforts, but only through this relationship with God. He's a good, good father. And maybe you didn't have a good earthly father. You didn't have a good example. I did, fortunately. But he's a good, good father. So don't let your earthly father determine how you view your heavenly father because he is a good, good father. Uh, my dad uh, was, he had a high school education. He wasn't rich, but he was a good steward with his money and uh, he, was, he was an intelligent man from the standpoint. He wasn't an educated man, but he was intelligent. He read a lot and he knew a lot of things. But one of the things that my dad exampled was that uh, they gave me pretty much everything I wanted. But there would be, uh, I would have to prove that I could handle 
the responsibilities that went along with the privileges. So he didn't just hand things out. You wouldn't let your five-year-old drive the car, uh, give him the keys and say, take off. You know, I'd probably run into the house or something. But So my, my dad was a good dad, but there were responsibilities that went along with the privileges uh, that, that I would have access to. 1 John 3.22 says, And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. So our Heavenly Father wants to pour out richly into our lives. He wants to give us things. He doesn't want to withhold, but he's more concerned about our well-being, our spiritual well-being, our physical well-being, our, our character, those things, than he is in just giving us gifts. And so he's a good, good father. He blesses and he desires to bless us, giving us what's best for us. Have you ever prayed for something and didn't get it? And then be thankful you didn't get what you prayed for? <laughs> so, moms, let me ask you a question. We're talking about petitioning God here. Are you demonstrating and teaching your children to call on the Lord? Are you demonstrating that? Because, oh, let's see, how is it that children learn? I tell them what to do and they do it. Yeah, okay, no, I don't think that's it. I think it's by, what, example, example, example. So what are you exampling? Are you exampling to your children? Are you exampling to your grandchildren? Are you, are you exampling to your family, extended family, even your husband? Are you exampling to them that you're praying and, and that you are uh, petitioning God? So my second point, petition God, my second point is repent to God. Repentance is what we're covering on Wednesdays in the basic foundational teachings. So I want to put another plug for that in. It's what time on Wednesday? 7 o'clock. Okay. We'll see you Wednesday. Uh, Acts 3.19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. You notice it's two steps. It's repent and turn to God. You can repent and refuse to turn to God. Oh, God, I'm sorry. You know, I really messed up here. I'm I'm sorry, God. And go on and do the same thing. That, see, there's a difference between just repenting and turning to God. That's a critical piece here, <laughs> that we turn to God. So the results are that our sins are completely removed. And we know that when Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sins, everything. The Greek word for repent is a verb, metanoio, and it's to change your mind or purpose. And we've talked a lot about this in the past. It's from two words, meta and noeo. Meta means to change after being with. So when we have this, this encounter with Christ, when we have this relationship with Christ, as we connect with him, there should be a change. Uh, you know, people were changed when they encountered Jesus. Even if they just had a conversation with him. And so this encounter with him will change us. And then uh, we should be thinking differently afterwards. So to repent is to change the way that we think about sin. Because unless we have a change of the way that we think about sin, we're probably not going to change. Until we understand that every Friday when we stop and buy a fifth of whiskey at Specs and we see the consequences of that throughout that evening and the next day, until we change our mind, until we change our mind about allowing God to transform us, until we start thinking differently, and that's why I love Romans 12 too, 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because God has come to transform our mind. That's where the battle takes place, is in our mind. And so as we come into alignment with his purpose, his plan, his will for us, then we begin to change the way that we think about things. So this relationship with the Lord should bring about a change. It should bring about a change. Do you know people that say they're Christians, but you can't tell it by the way they live? And maybe, I mean, probably many of us have been there. I've been there. I remember one of the most defining points in my life was when a guy at work came to me and said, Hey, Mark, you say you're a Christian, but the words that come out of your mouth don't reflect it. I wanted to hit him. But he was right. <laughs> he was led by the Spirit of God. I, I believe that. That was a turning point in my life because I wanted to hit him. But I said, his name was Mark. And I said, Mark, thank you. You're right. Because I, I didn't go out and live it. I didn't live it. I can talk about it. But people don't want to hear you talk about it. They want, to, they want to see you live it. And so this relationship with him should bring about the beginning of, of some changes that begin to happen. And my life wasn't transformed overnight, and I'm still in this transformation process. But it, it began to put me on the path where I began to think differently. I said, this is not honoring God. This is not reflecting his character. This is not reflecting his love. I'm not being a good witness for him. And then I should begin to act differently because as we think, then we're going to act differently as God begins to transform us. Please hear me. I'm not talking about some kind of self-help program or any of that. I'm talking about being transformed by this relationship with Christ. It's not a self-help thing. So let me be clear about that. But it's about yielding to him and allowing him to transform my life. You know, there are Christians that are perfectly okay with sin in their life. Well, the Bible says that I shouldn't have sex before marriage because it's sin, fornication. And although, you know, I know this is what the Bible says, I'm going to do it anyway. Or live different lifestyles or whatever. If the Bible says don't do it, then we shouldn't do it. If we say we're a Christian. If, if, if we're not a Christian, well, then it doesn't really matter, right? Because... That's, that's a standard that Christians are supposed to live to. That's a code of ethics that Christians are supposed to live, live by. But if I'm not a Christian, it doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, there may be some moral fiber there in their life. They may have been trained up to say, hey, you know, that's not right or, or whatever. But as Christians, should we, should we be compromising these things? It's funny, a number of years ago, we played a concert uh, with uh, uh, some well-known singers and stuff. And one of the opening bands was a band called Code of Ethics. And one of the guys brought his girlfriend with him, and they were sleeping in the same hotel room. I'm like, I don't think that's a code of ethics that need to be represented here in this place. But what are the code of ethics that we're living by? Are they conditional on what we want or what's convenient or, well, you know, you know, God, I know your word says that we shouldn't be sleeping together, but it's different, God. I really love them and they love me. This is different. So we shouldn't be okay with sin in our life. And please hear me too. I'm not talking about performing. I'm not talking about, you know, legalism and ritualistic legalism and all this stuff. I'm talking about a relationship that will change our life. 
because of the way that we think. And, and we really want to get serious about our relationship with him. We don't want to compromise. And until I can come to the place of changing the way I think about sin, I probably won't change. Sin is disobedience to the Lord. It's not honoring to the Lord. It's harmful to me in my relationship with him and other people. Acts 20, 21 says, I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Repent. Moms, are you demonstrating and teaching your children to repent of their sins and turn to God? I mean, are we really teaching them, not just scolding them when they do something wrong? I mean, there's a difference between consequences and, and suffering the consequences or, or uh, you know, executing consequences and teaching someone. So are we teaching our children to repent of their sins? Do they see you repenting? Mom, that was wrong, what you did or how you said that to me or somebody else or whatever. Do they see repentance in our lives? Because children are watching us, and not just their moms, not just their dads, but they're watching all of us. And we have a great privilege and opportunity to invest in our children here, and we do that. Not only in support of their, their parents, but, hey, hey, wait a minute. You, you know, when you were talking to your mom, that, that wasn't respectful. You shouldn't talk to your mom like that. But that requires us to have relationship with these children, with one another. It requires us to love them enough to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right how you, how you responded to your parent. We should be working together in unity to help one another. Why? Because we've got one another's back. Well, listen, if I had a child and they were doing something that could hurt themselves or someone else, I would hope that somebody else in the church would care enough to say, hey, stop that. You're about to get electrocuted or you're about to step into an, a fire ant bed. Oh, well, it's not my kid. Oops. Hey, your kid just got fire ants all over him. I guess you better come help him. Thanks. I appreciate that. I love you too, brother. Okay. So um, my first point is petition God, P. R is repent to God. A is accept God's answer. John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, if, if, it's conditional, right? If you love me, obey my commands commandments so if i say i'm a christian and i say i love god then i should demonstrate it by the way i live it ephesians 6 1 says children obey your parents because you belong to the lord for this is the right thing to do children are a blessing from the lord but they belong to him Children, obey your parents because you belong to him. Who belongs to him? Children. Okay? And, and so uh, he's saying here, this is the right thing to do to obey your parents because parents are given the responsibility to raise the children, but they belong to who? The Lord. And so the Lord is saying, hey, you belong to me, but I've placed your parents in authority over you, and you need to obey them. You belong to me, and I'm telling you, you obey them. So I should get an amen for that. I mean, come on. All right. Proverbs 22.6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Are you directing your children onto the right path? Are you leading them on the right path? 
Well, son, what do you want? Ice cream or candy? Oh, no, Mom. I, I, I want lima beans and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Mom, don't you know ice cream and candy is not healthy? But how many people don't really train their children? Well, do you, well, you know, it's kind of, it's a nice day out here on Sunday. Do you, do you want to go to the beach or you want to go to church? <laughs> well, let me see. What is a kid going to choose? Are we training and equipping our children to, to know the responsibilities and uh, this, the importance of this commitment to him? Because I'm trying to think what I saw on Facebook. It said something like children, uh, parents don't teach their children to have a relationship with God or go to church, and then they wonder when they get older why they want nothing to do with God, something to that effect. Well, what kind of examples? How are we training them and equipping them? As long as you're under my roof, son or daughter, you're going to church. We're going to go every Sunday, and we're going to go to the foundations class this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And, uh, and this is the way it's going to be. And, and when you get out on your own, then you can do what you want. But as long as you live under my roof, you will obey my rules, and these are my rules. So how are we training our children? Do they see you giving of your time, your talents, and your treasure? Do they, are they witnessing? Because how do they learn? Do you teach them to tithe? Are we teaching them the basic fundamentals of the, of the Word of God? Are we teaching them to be honest? Are we teaching them to have a relationship with God? Are we teaching them the practical things of tithing? The first 10% of their increase belongs to the Lord. We have children here that tithe. They get birthday money, maybe $100, and they tithe the first 10% of that. See, their parents are training them and equipping them to give, return to the Lord what belongs to Him. They're establishing these basic fundamental principles into their lives because they're going to go with them the rest of their life. They're not just going to turn 18 and all of a sudden begin to live out all these things that they never lived out before. Proverbs 3, five: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Well, you know, Dad didn't get that job that we were praying for, but you know what, son or daughter? God has a, a greater purpose and plan, and we're going to trust Him. We're going we're to accept the answer that God has answered here because we prayed. We said, God, make it clear to us, should Dad get this job or not? And He didn't get the job. So this is an answer of prayer. So is that our attitude? When we, when we don't get what we think we want, are you accepting of His will and direction when it's different than what you want? guys are kind of quiet right now. Accept. Mom, are you demonstrating and teaching your children to accept God's direction and answers for their life? Because what are you demonstrating in your life that's going to help them to live this thing out? And when they come to a crossroad or when they don't get the answer they want, how are they going to respond? Like you, probably. And what's that response going to be? Is that going to be, well, I'm accepting the Lord's will. I may not like it, but I'm going to trust Him. So do we demonstrate that by yielding to His purpose and plan? I accept His answers and I yield or not. 
Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. These people operated in power. They, were, they performed not just miracles, but many miracles. They cast out demons. And uh, uh, Matthew seven twenty three. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There was no relationship with him. Even though there was power, it would appear that there was some kind of power casting out demons. How many demons have you cast out? How many miracles has God done through your life? But there was no relationship. And so in kingdom kids, in children's ministry, in youth, in college and career, we're just pouring in, in adult ministry. The goal is that we all come to this personal relationship with Christ. So we're not teaching our children uh, to have their relationship with their parents, God, but that they would have this relationship with him and they would grow and they would begin to develop in the giftings and the things that the Lord has for them because God is preparing them. God is training them. And so what we're doing is we're merging. We're, we're working with your, the parents to train them up and equip them. You guys are the primary trainers, but all we're doing is supporting that. And so in the teacher's letter that goes out, it, it, it talks about what we talked about, uh, what they were taught that week. So you can use that for a daily devotional, or you can use that throughout the week and say, uh, okay, y'all talked about prayer this week. Well, let's pray. We talked about unforgiveness, and you're having a problem with little Johnny down the street. Have you forgiven him? What does forgiveness mean? So we're partnering with you to train and equip our children, all of us, that we will yield to God's purposes and plans because it's not always easy. You can fake it or you can choose to yield to the Lord and live it. Hebrews 5.8 says, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Jesus was about to die and he said, Not my will, but yours, Lord. So my, my last point here was yield. Yield to God's plans. So mom, are you demonstrating and teaching your children to have God's character? Are you teaching them to yield to the purpose and plans of God? Well, let's back up. What are you demonstrating? Are you yielding? When your husband comes and says, hey, this is what we're going to do and it's not what you want to do. Are you yielding to him? And I'm not talking about anything abusive or immoral or unbiblical, but I'm talking about yielding to your husband who should be yielding to the Lord if he's a Christian. But what are your children seeing in you as you yield to the Lord? Pray. Petition God. Repent to God. Accept God's answers. Yield to his plans. Jesus said this in John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know him. To know you, is what he said here. To know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, 
the one you sent to earth. To know him, to know Jesus, not just know about him. In, in Mark 1, 24, there's a, an account of Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And there's a man that's demon-possessed. And he stands up. This is in the church. This is in the synagogue. And he stands up and says, what do you want with, with us? What do you want with me? Or, why are you messing with us? One translation says, why are you interrupting us? I know that you're Jesus. I know that you are the Holy One. The demons from hell <laughs> recognize Jesus. But what about us who are his children, who are his sons and daughters? Do we recognize him? Do we yield to him? So let us be reminded of that as we leave today, that we have a good, good Heavenly Father who loves us and who is looking out for us. And we need to petition Him. We need to repent. And uh, we need to accept God's answer. And then we need to yield to that because we know that He has our best interests at heart. If He be for us, who can be against us? No one. Every day, we have a great opportunity to yield to Him and allow God to work through our lives and be a demonstration to other people. We have a, a small gift for you today. As, as you go out, ladies, we have carnations for you. So as you look at that carnation, maybe on the way home or throughout the day, be thinking of God's gift to you. This carnation, maybe it'll just a small representation of his love for you but know that God loves you he has a great purpose and plan for you and moms wives you have great influence the husband may be the head is the head but the wife is the neck you have great influence and make sure that you're influencing your family and your husband in a godly manner and and moms be be intent on training up your children in the ways of the Lord because when they're old they will not depart you know I can speak personally I was trained up in a godly home and when I got older I did drift away but I always knew where to come back to I always knew that there was a place in this relationship and if, if, if our children don't have that they, they have no reference point they don't know that there is anything to come back to because the world will tell them there's all oh you can come to this or this or this and miss the mark, miss the purpose and plan that God has for their life. But we have a great opportunity to pour into our children when they're young so that they have the reference point. So if they ever drift, they come back. They know that there's a reference point to come back to. Amen. Lord God, I thank you for everyone here today. I pray your special blessing over every mom. And Lord God, I pray that you would just continue this work that you've begun, this transformation process that you're doing, doing in all of our lives, Lord God, bringing us into not more religion, not legalism, none of that stuff, but into this personal relationship with Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Be sure, and I guess they'll be giving carnations out at both doors. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, yes. I hear a yes. Yes, I hear a yes. So uh, please, moms, pick up your carnation and uh, remember that God loves you. You have a great opportunity as you go out and...
live it. You're dismissed. Prayer team up here if you would like prayer. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.